Raymond, the WWE just held their annual Royal Rumble event. This is my ultimate favorite wrestling pay-per-view. And literally, I, I mean, I get as excited about this as I do the Super Bowl, NBA Finals, World Series. I live for the Royal Rumble. Now, Raymond, the winner this year was Edge, an old-school wrestler. He came in at number one and won the entire thing. I'm not sure if that's ever happened before. I know our favorite Royal Rumble of all time was when Ric Flair came in at number three in 1992 to win the title. That is my favorite Royal Rumble of all time. But this made me think, Raymond, if the NBA held a Royal Rumble every year, and at the end of the Royal Rumble, the, whatever whatever NBA star was left in the ring, like an exact Royal, just the same rules as Royal Rumble, where every a new guy comes in every 90 seconds, and they throw, in order to be eliminated from the event, you have to be thrown over the top rope, and your two feet have to land on the floor. If the NBA did this with NBA stars every year, how many, or would, not even how many, would Steph Curry have won any Royal Rumble ever. If if Ric Flair won at three, not being the biggest guy in that matchup, then I think it's Steph Curry could absolutely win it, you know, with cleverness and sneakiness, just like Ric Flair did. Ric Flair didn't overpower his opponents. He was just, he took advantage of players, or players, he took advantage of other wrestlers at the right time, even even though he was clearly outmatched and, and exhausted by the end of it. So I think Curry could definitely pull it off. Yeah, maybe just some shenanigans, right? Yeah. All right, I like it. Now, here's another question. How many Royal Rumbles would LeBron James have won? Not a single damn one. All right, there you go. Uh, Raymond, before we get started, I like to consider the gold cast the Royal Rumble of uh, 49ers Bay Area Sports Podcast. That's what we are, the Royal Rumble. Now, Ray, before we get started, why don't you let the people know, where can they find us? You can always follow us on Instagram, at the Goldcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter, at the underscore Goldcast, and you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere that podcasts are syndicated, we can be found. If you're on the YouTubes, then be sure to like, comment, and hit the little notification bell. That way you get notified when we go live on the line, as we say here on the Goldcast. And leave a comment because that feeds the algorithm on YouTube. It is a special place that requires special attention. So be sure to let us know what you're thinking because we certainly love to hear from you. And always want to get your take on Bay Area sports. Yeah, so today... It is the return of a very, very special guest. We're going to save it. You'll know who it is immediately in the intro. And today will be an all-Warriors-centric podcast, the first one of the year. So tune in. So if you've been tuned in strictly to 49ers football, well, now it's time to sit back and enjoy some Warriors basketball because there's a lot to talk about, and it begins right after the intro. But first, of course, the greatest intro has to drop. Your professor of fanalism, I'm in the building. The greatest fanalist in the game, he's here too. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! 
Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Cease III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa the first, baby. And the return of our esteemed third co-host. Candle stick will. <laughs> Boom! He's back. We have been teasing his return for weeks. And now he is finally here. And of course, if our boy Candlestick Will is here, you know that we're here to talk about one thing, and that is the Golden State Warriors. This is our first full Golden State Warriors only episode of the new year. This is very exciting. We have been kind of doing it as a second segment all year long, but now this is the first one. Perfect time. February is here. This is going to be our quarter season review of the Warriors. So let's just take a quick snapshot of where the Warriors are at right now, guys. Right now, the Warriors are sitting at 11 and 9. They are seventh in the West, and I'll tell you who's in front of them right now. In the standings right now, we've got We've got right here. We got the Clippers sitting at 16 and 5, the Jazz 15 and 5, the Lakers 16 and 6, the Grizzlies 9 and 6, the Nuggets 12 and 8, the Suns 11 and 8. Then come the Warriors and then right behind them are the Trail Blazers at 10 and 9. So overall, while maybe not the Warriors that we are used to of the last out of the dynasty run, this is still a pretty feisty team. And Candlestick Will, I've been saying on the episodes recently, they kind of remind me of last year's Giants, where they are scrappy, they're doing better than people will expect. They they still win game. They win some games they're not supposed to win. They lose some games they're supposed to win. You know, but they're kind of like this kind of middle of the road, scrappy little defensive team. And so I'm dying to hear your thoughts. What are your thoughts now that we're basically at a, the quarter season mark for the Warriors? Well, we really only have like three great teams in the West right now. You know, we have the Clippers, we have the Lakers, and we have the Jazz. Um, the Nuggets have lost a lot of games this year, but they're also playing really good right now. So you could make the case that those four teams are, are far and away the best four in the West. And there's no other team in the West that's for sure better than the Warriors. Now, the Suns just the other day beat the Warriors without Devin Booker in a pretty impressive win. So that would suggest that right now the Suns are better too. But we also have had some pretty impressive wins, even though we were down by a lot of points to both the Lakers and Clippers. We've won the games we're supposed to win. We're, we've only had one loss against a team with a losing record, and that was the Knicks game. And, and then even with that, um, we've had a couple of bad losses. The Denver loss actually was a bad one. They were not playing very well, and we had a, we had a big lead. So that's the kind of game that a good Warriors team would have easily finished and a team that's middle of the road ends up losing a game like that. And if you look at some of the games we've won, like the Lakers and Clippers, those games should have been losses. So as much as we're just above 500, if we don't get a game winner against Detroit, that Damian Lee hits a three, I mean, that's not something you'd necessarily expect. Um, we barely beat the Toronto Raptors, who are having a really tough season. So there's a lot of games that could have gone the other way. So as much as we want to maybe talk about some of their best wins, some of their barely wins and some of their bad losses, I think also can show us that this team is not as good as we maybe hoped they were. Um, they're not as bad as they could be. And so, again, we don't know how to necessarily 
grade them yet, I think, because there's too many there's too many red flags on both sides. Um, but I think the in a real simple fashion, we got A plus so far from Steph Curry. You know, easily having an MVP type season. Might not win the MVP, but he's absolutely in the discussion. Andrew Wiggins has played completely over his head. He's having the best year of his career. Defensively, he's never looked like this before. He's actually playing better offensively than he's ever played in his career. He's only 24, which means this actually could be him just becoming a better player simply first and foremost. Also, the pressure of not having to be the guy because from the day one he was in Minnesota, he was always expected to be the number one. And most guys aren't good at that. Even Kevin Durant didn't like that at times. So even the greatest players in the world struggle with that. So the pressure of not having to be the main guy sometimes can be a huge weight off someone's shoulders, and it seems like that's what's happening with Wiggins. There's not a single other player who's having a great season, and so that's where the inconsistency comes. And we can go into more detail about some of the other players, but to me, you have a team that's just no longer top-heavy, and it's Steph, Andrew Wiggins, and everybody else. And we can talk more about the other players uh, in this podcast, but those two guys are clearly playing above their heads, although Steph maybe isn't even actually. That's how good he is. But those two are the only ones that are bringing it consistently, and that's why their record is what it is. Absolutely. You brought up some really great points, and that kind of leads me over to you, Raymond. What do you think about the Warriors, where they stand right now? We do have... We obviously we have Wiggins and the the crew is led by Wiggins and Curry. Absolutely no question about that. But where do you see Raymond the rest of the team fall? What do you like? What, who do you think is stepping up? Who do you think maybe needs to needs to move a little bit further? What's your feeling at this quarter point in the season? I've actually been pleasantly surprised because I came into the season with pretty low expectations. I think a lot of people did. Uh, I think the Warriors for the most part, have seemed to have gotten past the ugly play of the first two blowouts in the beginning of the season. They've certainly not played that. But, I mean, they've had, like, you know, one other game where they got blew out, the, the, the last loss uh, against the Phoenix Suns. But outside of those three games, they've really been in most of these contests. And they've had leads, like Candlestick Will, like you pointed out, they've had leads, they've lost leads, they've been behind, they've come back. So they've kind of been running the gamut of every single aspect of type of game that they can be in. They've gotten blown out. They've also blown others out. They've come from behind. They've also given up leads. So they've, they've, been, they've been tasting the floor in every single aspect. And so it's, to me, it's just a matter of time if, and it's an if still, if they can kind of bring it together and gel. But uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm the eternal optimist, so I'm kind of leaning towards the positive things I'm seeing right now, which is leading to them being a couple games over 500 and a chance to continue that with their next contents against the Celtics, which obviously is not going to be an easy game by any stretch, but I think they're more than capable of winning that game. The Celtics are not the powerhouse they've, they have been in the recent years, but their X factor is in their coach, Brad Stevens. He's an excellent coach. No matter what type of talent is running through that team, he seems to be able to bring them together in, into making them a competent basketball team. So it's not going to be an easy game, but I think that, uh, you know, to me, the biggest surprise is I, I have to say James Wiseman. Um, I, I think uh, that he's just excelled. For him being 19 years old, basically not playing any NCAA basketball, and for him to come out of the gate and play that well, 
in a center position and play defense and, you know, get boards and score. Uh, it's been, that's a pleasant surprise. That's a, that's huge. That's a huge leg up for the Warriors. Ubre had a really tough, tough start, but he's finally come on and he's now playing more consistent two-way basketball. That's been nice to see. And Wiggins has been two-way basketball since game one. Uh, so that's been great to see. He's, I think he scored 15 points uh, or more in ever since after the two blowout wins. So he's been dynamite consistent, and that's fantastic. And and Candlestick Will, I, I agree with you. I think the fact that he's not the guy has just taken the pressure off of him, and he's just having fun now. He's he's playing more basketball. A lot of his defensive efforts come after he's already been beaten on a break, and so he's coming from behind and getting a lot of blocks that way, which is nice. He's got great speed. He's young. He's still very athletic, and he's playing two-way ball, which is what you want. Ubre's been playing better two-way ball. Wiggins has been consistent two-way ball, and Steph Curry's been Steph Curry. So I think if the rest of the pieces, you know, can come together, I think Draymond, I think Draymond should probably bear some weight and put some more pressure on himself to put more points on the board in addition to his defense to kind of help alleviate the second unit and some of the other guys. But I, I definitely see this team being a team that is going to have to learn how to hone on into their defensive skills if they want a shot. But I mean, so far. You know, they're technically, you know, statistically, you know, they're in the running right now. But it's too early to tell. Uh, but but so far, it's been a pretty fun season. I completely agree. It has been a very, very fun season. We've been encouraging people all year long on the Goldcast to tune into these Warriors because they're not your daddy's Warriors, but they are pretty good. Raymond, you brought up Wiseman and Candlestick Will. I'm dying to hear your opinion. What are your thoughts have been on Wiseman's season so far? I think it's exactly what you would hope from a number two pick and from a 19 year old, I think to expect more is just our instant gratification universe. We live in that we expect guys to just step up and play well. Um, he's, I think he's been phenomenal for what he is, which is a 19 year old, you know, freak of nature athletically in some ways, not at all very athletic in other ways. He's not a very big, great jumper as much as he can get up. It's mostly just because of his, his literal size. He doesn't have like quick feet where he can you know do things quickly. But he's also only 19, so some of that can improve with time. But you know the way he can score from different places. You know his shot's not great, but he's willing to take a shot which sometimes that's a huge thing because that's an easy way to improve it is when you're constantly working on it. We've seen with someone like Draymond, who was a better shooter you know, earlier in his career and has really not become a shooter at all anymore, most of that's because he's just stopped putting the time in, putting the effort in to be the shooter that he could be. Um, if Wiseman puts in the, the work, it can be really uh, effective to have a guy like him be able to stretch the floor. Um, Marquise Chris being out the year hurts because that's something that he was able to do very well and he was having a great season to start out. Um, Looney doesn't really shoot the ball very well. He's finally taking shots, but he's not a very good shooter. So, you know, we're going to be really hurting now. Wiseman's out seven to ten days and will be really evaluated with his wrist. So that hurts him more than anything else. It hurts the team, obviously, but it hurts him in the fact that he was having some good performances he was getting some momentum. He was feeling more comfortable in the starting lineup. You know, coming off the bench was actually helpful. He even talked about being able to watch Looney and get a gauge for kind of how the game's playing out before he goes out there. That just goes to how little, you mentioned it, Ray, how little experience he has in the first place of just playing the game. 
You know, he's only 19. He didn't get to play college ball hardly at all. Didn't have a summer league. Didn't have a training camp. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things that a, a rookie of any age would have that he didn't have. And so, you know, it's he's doing exactly what he should be doing. And hopefully this injury doesn't keep him out too long. And when he comes back, he can get some more reps. And, you know, I think that's one of the, the rough things about the season is that, you know, if they want to make the playoffs and do something in the playoffs, he's going to have to be a big part of that. And that's a lot of expectation for a kid his age and with his lack of experience. Absolutely, it is. Now, that leads me to another question. Is there, in terms of we're talking about help and what they're going to need if they can make a playoff run, here's a big question, Candlestick Will. Is there a trade to be made somewhere? Is there the Bradley Beals of the world? You know, I, you know, I, I wanted back, but then his stock has definitely dropped a lot in the recent years due to his injuries. I wanted Victor Oladipo when he was at his peak. I thought he would have been a wonderful addition to this Warriors squad. And now with Clay being out this season, it, you know, that actually looks like it would have made a lot more sense now than before when Clay, when it looked like Clay was going to be back. Is there a trade to be made somewhere with this Warriors? And do you think the Warriors go in on a trade before the deadline? Well, you know, the, the rumors that had come out about um, the Pelicans offering up um, J.J. Redick to teams and possibly Lonzo Ball and then making a phone call to the Warriors just to gauge kind of their interest. They didn't really talk even, even players, but then obviously the whole Twitter's verse went in on Ubre for ball and who, who would you rather have? And then with Bradley Beal and the way he was acting in the first half the other night um, in what was one of the craziest games I've ever seen um, with the way they came back against the Nets, um, you know, he clearly is unhappy in, in Washington and has every right to be. It's a fluster cluck of a situation um, in Washington. So he, he wants out. It's clear. And we have the pieces to go after Bradley Beal. We have the pieces to go after uh, Lonzo Ball. Um, Ubre's, you know, $14 million expiring contract is always a tradable piece, especially for a kid that young. Um, you know, he's not a great fit here. He's better off the bench than he is as a starter, just in general, no matter who he's playing for, because his type of game where he's not really a 3 and D guy, he's not a great three-point shooter, He's not a great defender, but because he has is so active and he's so willing to put the, the work in, he's a guy who can get hot you know, off the bench. He's a guy who's at least going to bring energy off the floor. Um, and then if you know, it, no matter who he's guarding, he's willing to guard them. And sometimes that's a huge part of the NBA is just guys being willing to play defense. Um, but he's just not as good a shooter as Damian Lee or Kent Bazemore. He's not as good as a defender as either one of those guys. So he's just not as good a fit for what they need, especially in crunch time. And so he's a guy that obviously can be moved, and his money helps them to make a move. Now, if you want Bradley Beal, you're going to have to either give up Andrew Wiggins, which I don't think Washington would even want. As much as Wiggins is playing phenomenal, if Washington trades Beal, I'm assuming they'd want to start over, which means they'd start with Wiseman. And if you send Wiseman and Oubre with first-round picks, you can fill in with, you know, Pascal or if they want Pascal or Jordan Poole or, or whoever, uh, Kevon Looney, and you can make a trade work. Now, do you are you willing to give up Wiseman and next year's first-round pick and maybe the Minnesota pick that could be top three um, or could be top four? 
Um, do you give up all of that just because Bradley Beal's a 30-point scorer and he would be phenomenal? Or do you say, no, you know what, we're going to double down. Wiseman is going to be a freak of nature in a couple of years, and we don't want to sacrifice our future um, just for, you know, for someone even as good as Bradley Beal. I'm of the, the notion that there's only so many prime years of a player's career. Um, we've, we've already lost two years of Clay's career because of injuries. You know, Steph's basically lost two years of his career with injuries over the course of his career. There's only so many guaranteed games that Steph and Clay are going to have in their prime. And whether or not Clay's back at full strength next year or not, this year is definitely Steph Curry's prime. So going for it, I would be okay with them doing that. I also understand them not going for it and deciding to stay with Wiseman. But I would say that if, if they called up, especially because Bradley Beal wants out, we saw this with James Harden, the price goes down, right? You know, Levert was basically the only player of any, of any kind that left, you know, to get Harden. So we could move just Wiseman and Oubre, and that would probably be enough. But if we do that, then how many first-round picks do they want, and are we willing to give up more than just, you know, one, one or two? Because Wiseman's already a first-round pick, you know, so you can make the case that Wiseman, um, Oubre, and our own first-round pick might be plenty to get Beal. Um, so it depends on what Washington wants, if they're actually going to pull the trigger, because, like I said, it's such a poor-run organization. They might keep him and just let him be miserable, so I don't know. Um, if you want to get someone like Alonzo Ball or Thaddeus Young or, or go get Andrea Godala back or somebody else that fits what Ubre makes, those are better fits for what we need out of that position and what we need out of that as far as production. If we don't do that, there's always going out using the trade or the, or the um, injury exemption that we got from Clay that's up to $9 million. Guys like Lou Williams, P.J. Tucker, um, and a few others are – Derek Rose is another one. They those all fit that because you have to be have to be in the last year of your contract, and it has to be less than nine million. So those are players that we might look to get. You know, Houston's not winning anytime soon with the current group they have. They might be willing to trade PJ Tucker. Would we have to give up picks plus to get him? Is that worth that? He's getting up there in age. You know, him and Draymond together might be great, or it might be terrible. Uh, Tucker's a much better shooter than Draymond, but they kind of play the same position. They're kind of better suited to be, you know, uh, small ball fives. So on the floor together, I don't know if that's a perfect fit. I, I love P.J. Tucker's game and effort and hustle. I don't know if he's a great fit. Lou Williams coming off the bench would be guaranteed points. I don't know if you necessarily need that. Derrick Rose, obviously, another great backup point guard. Um, but I don't know if you want to improve your team in that specific spot um, when you still need help on defense, you still need help, you know, with length. Those two guys won't provide that. So I don't know if they're going to do those things. You know, if you go out and you get Bradley Beal and P.J. Tucker and you, and you throw all your first-round picks at, at Houston and Washington and you say, let's go, that's a pretty good team. Now, do they win it all? I don't know because I don't know if that actually gets them ahead of the Lakers, the Jazz, you know, the Clippers, the, the Nuggets. Right now, since they won't have Clay, they won't have Chris, and you know, who knows what else happens. So I don't. I don't know if that's enough to win this year. So if that's not enough to win this year, do you sacrifice a bunch of first-round picks for Tucker, who would then be a free agent, and Pete and Beal, who wouldn't, who wouldn't, so you'd be able to keep him? And I think the idea of 
getting Beal without losing Wiggins and having a starting five next year of Steph, Beal, Wiggins, um, Draymond, and you know whoever, Looney, Chris, whoever, is pretty lethal. But what what if any bench do you have? And I think we've seen with the uh, Brooklyn Nets the last several games that having such a top heavy roster doesn't guarantee wins. No, it doesn't, and it didn't guarantee us a championship back in 2019 against Toronto, right? So well, we, and that was with seen, injuries too, right? Because we had we, because we mm-hmm. lacked depth, it made it where once we lost uh, Cousins and Durant and Clay Thompson, now we're now we're out of it. Which you know, any team loses three starters, they're very likely to lose. But um, we didn't have the bench that we had in years past. Yeah, that's for sure. Raymond, here's a question for you. Uh, kind of piggybacking off everything Candlestick Will said, what do you think is the most important direction here for the Warriors? Do they invest in the future, which is essentially keeping Wiseman, keeping this core, and trying to just you know take this through the season in, t- in terms of its development? Or do they invest in winning now, which is making some sort of big splash trade like for a Bradley Beal and then seeing what, what lands and what kind of run they can make this year and next year in the post. What do you think, what, it, what, is, you, what is your opinion is the best direction for the Warriors moving forward? Well, personally, I think you work with what you've got and prepare for Clay to come back into the mix. What they do is I don't know. It's anyone's guess. I don't necessarily see the Bradley Beal coming over. I mean, I could maybe see. I've heard about Ball potentially coming to the Warriors, but you know, I don't know. You know, he obviously would be backing up. You know, he'd be a backup. But um, you know, and he's not. And he's he's really kind of str- he's going through the Alex Smith uh, in the NBA, where he's multiple teams, multiple coaches, multiple regimes. So it's really hard for him to kind of tap into his potential with all of the uh, changes that he goes through on an annual basis in his career. So um, it, I, it would be, a, I think the warrior system would be a good fit for him. Whether they bring him in, I don't know. You know, we know that uh, we have the room for him, obviously, and we want to make us the backup for Curry right now. And he's obviously Nico Mannion, our other draft pick. He's going to go to the G League because he's not getting any playing time. He's not out dueling uh, Wanamaker for that position. So I think, uh, you know, that's... Uh, there, there's room to do that. I just don't know if they make a big splash. I would see them getting, you know, a better role player, someone who can be more consistent than Ubre's been, even though Ubre's been more consistent as of late. But uh, even if they don't do that, I feel like there's enough there that could they could potentially, you know, you can get some. You're gonna get a good. You're gonna have a quality season with this group now. You're just not gonna make a deep run into the playoffs with this group. I mean, basketball is very linear in terms of how you predict, you know, the winners. Whereas Football can go either way, no matter what seed. Um, so I think with the NBA, it's it's we'll have to see if they want to stick with this group and or you know obviously I think deep down they all want to win. Curry wants to win, so you know if they're willing to part with some of these role players to you know sacrifice a little bit of depth and perhaps some draft capital to get a a tried and true player in there that they think could give them a chance at a title run, you know I think there's they would do that. I just don't think that any of those maneuvers involves giving up Wiseman. Yeah, the Wiseman piece is tough because you, I think when you're looking at it from the Warriors brass perspective, right? Obviously, as Candlestick Will had already mentioned, that we are in the prime years of Steph Curry and we've lost years with Curry and Clay, 
right? So we're in this really delicate position where we know we 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 still have Curry. We're not root. We can't bank one hundred percent that could that Clay is going to come back and be ready to go. I mean, KD looked pretty good when he came back, but that's not he. That's by far the exception, not necessarily the rule. We've seen plenty of guys come back from those same exact injuries and not look the same and be definitely missing a step. So now we've got two years of Clay gone and injuries to two different to each of his legs like to each of his legs he's had acl and achilles right devastating injuries one and one we don't know what kind of clay we're getting back and so i think the warriors are in this really delicate position where they're trying to figure out i think i think what they i think if they keep wiseman they are preparing for the future they're they still while winning now and being successful is obviously really important to this franchise based on the track record we've already seen in the past decade but also kind of keeping one foot in the direction of what comes after this eventual run with Curry and Clay is of importance to them. And I think if we keep Wiseman, that tells us that the organization has at least one eye looking towards that future. All right. This is my final question for both of you guys, and then we're going to wrap it up today. I want to hear from each of you. Candlestick, we're going to start with you. If we keep Wiseman and we keep the team as is, what is your prediction for our final place in the West? Well, I think based on our record right now and the way the teams are playing, I don't see us getting any higher than a fifth seed no matter what because the, the top four teams are playing like top four teams. Um, that being said, when we get to the playoffs, one of the things we saw in the bubble last year was you know Devin Booker just putting the Suns on his back and going undefeated. Then Damian Lillard putting his team on his back and basically by himself. You know, McCollum was okay, but... Lillard was on another level and took the, the Trailblazers to the playoffs. Um, then we saw with both Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray, them just completely single-handedly lead the Jazz and the Nuggets through rounds of the playoffs where the Nuggets end up in the Western Conference Finals. Steph Curry is better than all four of those guys, by far. So no matter what the rest of the Warriors look like, if we get to the playoffs, whether it's a five seed, an eight seed, whatever, we have a chance to do something when we get there. Now, if we have a seven or an eight seed, and we have, or even a six seed, and we have to face the Jazz, Clippers, or Lakers in the first round, we might be out in the first round. Those are better teams right now. They're, they have way more depth, they have way more balance, and they've played together longer. So there's a much, there's a very likely chance that those three teams could beat us in the first round if we don't get a five seed. If we get a five seed and we get some momentum in the playoffs. Curry in the playoffs has shown that he goes five, six games all the time. He wins on the road all the time, even in 2013 against the Nuggets and Spurs, even in uh, 2014 against the Clippers. So you just give him a playoff series, and he's going to make the most of it. And so with that, we have a chance to go deep in the playoffs because we have the, one of the best players in the world. And as long as Steph Curry is healthy, we have a great chance to do damage in the playoffs. Now, actually getting out of the West and, and getting to the finals would be him playing an absolutely nuclear level because we just don't have the depth. So I could see as high as a five seed to get into the playoffs, but if we get to that five seed, we could very well get two, three rounds into the West. Nice. That would be amazing. Raymond, what is your thoughts? If we keep the team as currently constructed, where do you see this team landing in uh, its final standings in the West? Similar to Candlestick, well, I'd say five is the best case scenario, but probably realistically between a six and a seven. 
I think we're definitely better than, you know, I don't think we, I don't think we can be at the, I don't think we'll end up at the bottom. I think it's somewhere between a six or a seven. Even at the beginning of the season, I thought that this team was only good enough for, you know, bottom seeding. But uh, now that we're starting to, see, we're a quarter of the way through, I'd say fifth at best, you know, seventh at worst. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that is it for our quarter season review. We'll be back, obviously, later in the week. Uh, there's obviously big news down south. The L.A. Rams have traded for Matt Stafford. That means we're going to have to have a conversation with Louis B. about this big move. I've already been teasing him incessantly about this, so we should, that should be a good episode. But all right, folks, let us know what you think about the Warriors' quarter season. How do you feel so far? Do you think making a trade with Wiseman is wise? You see what I did there? Or do you think, if you think that the team is currently constructed, what will their final place in the standings be? Let us know in the comments. Go to youtube.com slash the gold cast and let us know what you think. And so concludes another edition of the gold cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Cesar III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first. And our esteemed co-host. Candle Stick Will. Boom! We'll see you next time. Same gold cast time. Same gold cast channel. This is, is the gold cast.